All right, it is time for the word. Are you ready? Get out your notebooks. I'm so excited that we have Lindy Kofer in the house tonight. And I, I just think this is so cool. She's from Edmond. She's an Edmond native. You know, we had David Perkins here for Blocks, who's from this region. I'm telling you, God's doing something in our region. And he's bringing people, like, with ties to the region here. And I know that she has a word in due season. And as I was praying over this today, I felt like this is going to be such a fruit-producing word. That there will be conversations that take place. It's like, hey, this is happening. And you know why this is happening? It's because of the word that Lindy brought. And we're seeing seeing fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. So you want to see 30-fold, then like kind of lean in. You want to see 60-fold, like, oh, that was good, amen, like post about it on Instagram. But if you want to see 100-fold, lean in, post about it, but also act on the word that she's about to bring. She is a worship leader. She is a beautiful soul. Um, her, She's a mom. She's a wife. And, and I... I I wanted to invite her just because I just can tell how much she loves Jesus because it's all she talks about on social media and she's so passionate. Like when you talk about him, it's like, ah, it's like it, you, you're around somebody, it makes you want to love Jesus more. That's Lindy. And so I, I know she's going to, that, that's going to be contagious for all of us tonight. So let's pray for her. Let's lean in and let's get ready to welcome Lindy to the stage. Lord, I thank you so much for Lindy. I thank you for bringing her here back to her roots tonight. I know she has a word in due season. So I pray that you would anoint her for these people, for these women tonight. Use her, God. We're so thankful for who you've made her to be, for the gift that you've put in her and for the word that you've given to her for us. We love you and we praise you and we'll be careful to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Guys, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm undone. That worship. I was like, what? Like we could have kept going for two more hours. So that was beautiful worship team. I know they're probably taking a breather, but thank you. It's so funny. It's like, you know, it's so easy to lean in on the worship team to take us there, right? But we're a kingdom of priests before our God. So the beautiful thing about worship teams is they get to use their gift that's a part of the body of Christ, right? But we all come hungry to minister to the Lord. And that's what I felt in this room tonight. That's when you know worship can go beyond just Christian karaoke. You know what I mean? Is, is we're all hungry and we all want him. And thankfully we have people who can use their gifts to facilitate that in the room. But can't you feel it? Gone are the days of just the worship team worshiping Jesus wildly and we're all just kind of observing. That day is over. You can feel it. There's a faith rising all over the earth. And it's not hype. It's not emotionalism. It's faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the God of Scripture. So I'm excited. We're going to um, dive into a few different places in the Bible tonight. I'm going to kind of give you an overview. And then we're just going to see where the Holy Spirit takes us. Sound good? That's so fun. Okay, um, we're going to talk about John 4 tonight and this interaction with Jesus with the woman at the well and what happened there and what he said and how when we really grasp what was said right there with the woman at the well, we live differently. 
When we understand what Jesus was prophesying, we're going to talk about the first time worship is mentioned in scripture and how it actually has nothing to do with a singing ability or a gift to play an instrument, but it's everything to do with our heart and how we're following Jesus. So we're going to go a few different places, but then we're going to talk about faith and the faith that God is drawing us into in this hour. So before we hop in, I just want to share a little bit of my story. First of all, are there any, like, anyone here who's done circuit riders at school? Okay, like, I'm seeing some faces. I'm like, yes. Um, so exciting. So grateful for local churches that are burning on fire. It's like, it's a beautiful thing what God is doing in this place. So it's so fun. People who've come from our ministry, they're like, this church is amazing. Oh, my goodness. So I've been hearing about this church and what God's doing. So I was born and raised in Edmond, Oklahoma. My mom's actually here. She's on the front row. Um, so on 15th and Bryant, like, it's crazy. It's so weird to be at a church in my hometown. I'm like, man, Lord, spring up a well. Like, that's how it feels. So um, I feel like I can elaborate on my story a little bit more here because you all would have context. I went to Will Rogers, then I went to Central, then I went to Memorial and uh, graduated in 2007. So when I was in high school, um, I, you know, faithfully went to a youth group, other things. But I remember there was a girl in my high school who was on fire for Jesus. Her name was Rachel. And I just remember... You couldn't be around her without either feeling uncomfortable or that you wanted more of Jesus. It was one or the other. And I kind of swung between both. Sometimes I would just feel so uncomfortable around her. Like, this girl is crazy. And then other times I'd be like, what is this? I, whatever it is, I can feel I'm made for it. Like, she had discovered Jesus in scripture in a way I had not. And so it, it put a... I wouldn't even say hungry, but a curiosity in my heart of like, who is God? Like I knew who God was, right? Like born and raised, Edmond, Oklahoma, amazing home. I knew Jesus. But it was like I had not personally discovered the power of the cross personally for me. And I remember thinking, what is this that she knows? And then one thing led to another. My mom can attest to this. It was like this crazy I had not ever experienced hearing the voice of God or, you know, I had experienced the prophetic here and there, but I wouldn't have even known it was the prophetic, if that gives you some context. So then in one season, everyone starts talking about YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission, and all these different things. And I'm like, I think I'm supposed to go do this thing called YWAM. I don't know why. Everyone, just when I hear people talk about it, I'm kind of like, I'm feeling that nudge. I'm feeling that thing from the Holy Spirit. So I started... I, I looked online at different bases, and there was some, a family at our church at the time, and their daughter had done YWAM, and I just felt this, like, I got to know him. I got to find him. From one little encounter with a girl at my high school who was burning and on fire, but it was enough for me to go, I don't know him. I don't know him. I know about him. I know all the right things to do. I know all the right things to say. I know all the right ways to live. But I don't have a revelation of the cross and the blood and his love. And I didn't have revelation of the cross that took my sin. I didn't have the revelation of the freedom that I was given through Christ Jesus. So I sign up for YWAM. I go and I had no idea what I was in for. I was this girl from Edmond, Oklahoma. I mean, I had never did 
didn't know there was other culture outside of the culture here. So when people aren't friendly, I was like, what? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? You know, I'm like, why are people mean? Not, not mean, but just different. You know, a lot of West Coast people were going to YWAM Kona at the time. And um, it was a new culture. I was in culture shock. I'm like, where am I? What am I doing? I didn't go straight to college. I'm, in, I'm going to this missionary ministry school. People are like, what is it? I'm like, I don't really know. Like before I left, but God miraculously provided the money. I sell paintings out of the back of my car at, at what was it, the Paseo? Paseo Arts District, I literally opened the trunk of my car and sold paintings. And it was just a strange thing, but I saw God provide. I'd never seen that before. I'd never seen a, a, a financial miracle like that. So I'm on the edge of my seat like, who are you, God? Like, that's kind of how I felt. So I went in and um, a little bit of a context for a discipleship, discipleship training school. And don't worry, this will all tie in. But every week is a new topic and subject. So someone comes in and talks about spiritual warfare or the father heart of God. It was like, it's like drinking from a fire hose. Just every, you're just like, what, 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 what? And I remember there was one week, I think it was the father heart of God week, but it was the same week the How He Loves video from Kim Walker came out. It was like when that video came out, that exposes my age. I'm 33, no shame. But um, I... They were like, we're going to play this video. And it was, I'm having a revelation of the cross like I never had before. And they played this video. And then I had a revelation of God's love for me and what the cross actually did. And I remember I, I had never experienced this before, but I fell on the ground. I think four hours later I got up and felt completely different. I was totally a new person. And I had had a real salvation encounter that I went, oh, the wages of my sin was death. I don't think I understood that. I didn't under. I was, like, okay with just kind of knowing about God, loving Jesus, wanting more of Jesus, but not surrendering my life. And when you realize the depth of what happened on the cross, you can't help but surrender your life. And that's what happened in this moment is I'm sitting there going, you can have all of it. You can have everything. I mean, I came home and was a different person. I, I was free. That's the only way I know to say it. I was free. And if you're here tonight going, I don't know if I've ever experienced that, then tonight's your night. The love of God wants to meet you. The love of God wants to absolutely touch your heart because he's not hiding from us. He's not withholding his love saying, if you do all the right things, if you say all the right things, then I'll pour out more measure of my love. No, it's where we are tearing down altars of self-righteous plans and idols we've built to fear of man. But more than anything, we've got to get rid of the lie that we have to work our way to him. And I don't know about you, but it's really easy to feel like in the culture we live in, in the world we live in, the more I work for God or the more I'll do, I'll get. Right? That's what we're taught. The more I, the more I work, the more money I get. The more different things. That's how systems in the world are set up. But God's not like that. God's not like that. He's not looking for how much you can do for him to pour out his love on you. He's saying, I poured out my love on you at Calvary because I was coming for a bride. I was coming for a people. You are caught up in the greatest love story in all of history, and it's the story of God. 
We are the generation living in between the first and second coming of Jesus. Like not everyone will get to say that in the great cloud of witnesses. You know, you think about it, it's a beautiful thing. So long story short, I'm now wrecked. I'm ruined for the ordinary, as I called it. I'm like, I... I was like, how do I, I was kind of planning on taking a gap year, maybe going back to school. I don't know. Uh, my grandpa at the time was like, you go to OU or you don't go to school. You know, so in my mind, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do youth with a mission, come back, maybe go to OU. I don't know. All that just got wrecked because I was like, I'm not the same. And I remember this quiet prayer I said in my heart, if I find you, I'll give you everything. If this is real, if you're real, and every Bible verse I've memorized, everything I've known, if it's true, and for me, this was the moment where the word and spirit combined a revelation of a cross, the, the cross absolutely captivated my heart. And I went, I finally get it. The old is gone, the new has come. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. I'm walking in the new. And then the Bible began to open up like never before. I finally understand why Paul is saying things like, I count it all as lost for the surpassing worth of knowing you. What? I mean, I used to read that before like, man, he must not have much, you know, just count it all as lost. But I don't know. But um, you look, he had everything. He had everything to be proud of. He had everything to be worthy of. He had everything to be counted for, for social success and accolades. And he said, no, I count it all as lost for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. And Jesus wants to arrest our hearts with this type of hunger. That we go, oh man, we don't care what it looks like. We don't care what it means. But we're counting it all as a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So... I'm there in Kona. I go back to staff at DTS because I just tell my parents, like, I'm going back. And they're like, you know, I'd love to hear from her perspective. But I think they were like, you're so different. Please go back. Like, you're free. Um, so I went back. And at that moment when I had gone back to YWAM Kona, this amazing couple named Andy and Holly Bird showed up on a word of the Lord to pioneer a house of prayer. And I'm like, house of prayer? Do we live in a house and pray? What's going on? What's a house of prayer? And I had no context for that, nothing. But they had been invited into YWAM by Lauren and Darlene Cunningham, the founders of YWAM, to come and pioneer the prayer room, this centerpiece of praying and crying out to God. And I went, I don't know what this is, but I love this. And I'll never forget those beginning prayer room sets. Now, I'll give you a little context. I, I sang in choir in school, and I led, led a little bit at our church before I went to YWAM, but nothing in me was like, I'm a worship leader. I'm going to be a worship leader. I'm going to lead worship. I went to meet God. I met God, and I laid down my life. I went, you're worthy of everything. You're worthy of all of me. And that is what God is doing in the earth right now, is there is a sound of surrender that is piercing the heart of the bride of Christ, the church at large. And there is that you can feel it. There's a sound arising like never before that says, not my will, but yours be done. Not because I am supposed to do this, but because I'm in love. Not my will, but yours be done. Not because you're asking for this huge surrender, but because when I see you, I can't help but surrender. When I see you, I go, I got to give you everything. It's the cry in the bride of not my will, but yours be done because I'm in love. And that's why you're sitting here tonight. 
You may be new to following Jesus. You may be following Jesus for 20 plus years. Or you may be here tonight going, I don't know that I fully surrendered that way. But that's okay because God's pursuing you right where you're at. He knows you. He formed you in your mother's womb. You don't have to hide from him. You know what's crazy is the only thing that makes us feel like we have to hide is shame. And if the enemy can get shame to sit at the table, we will think God doesn't love us and God doesn't want us. Why didn't you answer my prayer? Why didn't you do that for me? The Lord's like, I'm here. I'm pursuing you. Come out of the shame. You don't have to carry shame anymore. And during worship, I felt the Lord say two things tonight. He wanted to bring us out of was fear and shame. Oh, because there is no, there's no greater love than this, than one who lays down his life for his friends. Okay, so I'm going to keep going here. We, the house of prayer starts. I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, what is this? Because I went, I was, I'm made for this. I, I, what, this, this uninterrupted worship? We're going over 30 minutes? We're singing outside of the lyrics in the song. I was like, what is this? And then I, I started looking in scripture. Where is this in scripture? And I, you know, Paul says, sing to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Do you know the psalms means singing scripture to each other. Hymns means singing your testimony. And spiritual songs is the song that's the overflow of the heart. It's the spontaneous song. And I went, oh, there it is. I had no idea. And it was like, like I said, the word became alive when I met the spirit. And that's when we get into John 4, when we see God is, is raising up worshipers, those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I really believe we're going to see this in a way tonight where we're going to look and pursue God differently after we leave tonight. With a fresh fire, but a greater revelation of what the blood of Jesus did. And, and the veil that it tore from top to bottom. Only God could, actually he tore it from bottom to top. And only God could rip a veil from the bottom to the top, top to bottom, and make a way into the holy of holies. No man could have done that. Only the blood of Jesus. So I remember sitting in these rooms, we're praying, we're crying out for nations. And then our leader, Andy Bird, began to have this, this vision. God began to show him this picture of communities all across the earth, missional communities carrying prayer and worship and intercession in their hearts. And from that place, preaching the gospel, a true Isaiah 6 encounter. You know, I love the Great Commission because it is the place that Jesus has given us permission. He said, go into all the world. Make disciples. I have news. This is good news. You don't have to get on a plane to make disciples. You don't have to sign up for a missions week or do the special outreach to make disciples. That's why I love the rising mothers thing. I go, that's the great commission, making disciples, putting our lives out in a selfless way, saying, I will preach the gospel. I'll be the hands and feet of Jesus. He's given us permission through the Great Commission, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So I remember we're sitting there, we're crying out, God, would you flood the nation? Would you raise up worshipers that are clean hands and a pure heart? And I just, I remember crying out in that prayer room in Kona for three and a half years. And then boom, God began to speak. Plant a community in Nepal. Take a team 
to Southern California. That was the team I was a part of, to reach university campuses. And I remember thinking, whoa, the Lord is speaking. Send a team to Turkey. Send a team to South Africa. And it was this window of time where I went, he's real. He's alive and he's speaking. And our teams in these places are burning. And they're burning for Jesus. And they're preaching the gospel. But then here came this little turn in my story of, you're asking me to go to Southern California? I'm burning for the unreached people groups. Like, I'm ready to go. I had spent time in Mozambique. I had the privilege of helping lead an outreach into the underground church in China. It changed my life. You see this. There's not a, there's no lights. There's no, there's no instruments. There's just lovesick hearts in love with Jesus burning. And it changes you when you see that. Because you go, whoa, God, he's raising up worshipers who are worshiping in spirit and in truth. And in this encounter in John 4, we're we're going we're gonna to dive into it. I'm just giving you kind of the, the overview here. But, you know, he says, no, there's coming a time where neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship. He's saying, you're used to going to buildings, but you're about to be my dwelling place. You're about to be the place where I reside. All these rituals you've learned, all these things you know about coming into worship and, and, and having a priest, having a priest Cut the animal for your sin to spill the blood. I'm telling you, he's prophesying with the woman at the well right there, saying, I'm about to be that lamb. I'm going to be the perfect sacrifice. I'm going to be the final sacrifice. And when you understand the Old Testament and what it meant to go into the Holy of Holies, what it meant to stand in a place with God, when you understand that, these words of Jesus cut deep. Because you go, this is it. This is the one. This is the one we've been waiting for. You know, the first prophecy of Jesus is in Genesis. Where it says, he will crush the head of the serpent and he will bruise your heel. Do you realize in that moment, they knew there is one coming who will redeem us back to God. Can you imagine being the Israelites? Can you imagine looking at different prophets sent? Is this him? Is this him? Is this the one? Oh, no. Is it David? It's got to be David. There's so much favor on David. Saul anointed David. He anointed, he's got to be the one. David's the one. Oh, he's not the one. And you have to see there's, there's a people leaning in through all of scripture going, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? And then there's this little moment where Jesus is traveling from one city to another where he sits with this woman, a Samaritan woman, at the well. And he reveals, I am the one. I am the one. And then she, we all know she runs to her town, tells everyone, he's here, he's here, he's here. But can you imagine being alive during this moment going, this is the one. This is the one we've known through scripture. Isaiah prophesied about him. Jeremiah prophesied about him. We've been told about this one. And now here he is on the scene. So when we sent a team from Kona to Southern California, I remember thinking, what is going to happen? And then the next four years pioneering in California were very unglamorous. I left Kona, which was a 
safe haven, beautiful, amazing place. I had learned to worship there. I had started leading worship there. I went, I had no idea. I, we began to write songs there in the prayer room, crying out to God. And then God sends us to Southern California. And that's what you would know now as circuit riders. Because the Lord said, I'm going to send you out as circuit riders to university campuses to ride these circuits and preach the gospel. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. Woo! Yes. And then like five years in, you're like, I still believe what you said, God. I'm not giving up. You know, because you're like 20 staff in wondering, did we hear God? Did we hear the Lord? Is it what you said? And now today, it's like we're over 200 staff on 500 campuses. Even what she was sharing about the campus in Kentucky, some of our team is going there because we're like, it's, it's the time for university campuses right now. And there is revival breaking out on university campuses. And you know what? It's like sometimes we go, man, but not my campus. It's too hard. That's what I'm talking about tonight where the Lord is saying there, is, there are layers of unbelief we give into because it's what it's been told. And God is asking us to take off a layer of unbelief and step into faith to believe that God is who he says he is and he will do what he said he will do. So Holy Spirit, we just honor your presence that's in this place tonight. Father, and as we open up the word, we just ask that you would come and you would tear off any, any scales tonight of unbelief. You would tear off scales, God, of fear. And Lord, that you would lead us into victory tonight in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you can open your Bibles with me to John 4. We're just going to read it together really quick. Is everyone doing good? Good. Whew, I feel excited. I feel like the Holy Spirit's really going to minister here at the end. And I just want to say, if you feel that burning in your heart right now, like, I want to be free, that's the Holy Spirit saying, tonight's your night. Tonight's your night. Okay, so I'm going to read this out, and then we're just going to go through it piece by piece. So John 4, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. Okay. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field of Jacob that had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. In about the sixth hour, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her and said, for if you knew the gift of God and who it was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give, he will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become to him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. Can you even imagine? 
You're like, we've got some prophetic evangelism going on right now. He's like, let's tap into the Father and bring you closer to the heart of Jesus. Um, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be, oh, sorry, keep going down to verse 20. Um, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you and he. of the disciples, this is the first person Jesus is revealing, I am he. Real quick, I just want to say during worship, I just saw over the worship team, this is going to be a house of worship. This is a house of worship. And I do believe the Lord is going to give new songs, songs that the Capital C Church will sing. On your worship team tonight, I saw that there will be songs that not just this church will sing, but multiple churches will sing. I saw there is a well here. And if you've gone, I'm looking for a house of worship. If you're visiting tonight, this is a house of worship. I just, it's been pounding on my heart and I just need to stop and say right now that I believe the songs that are about to come out of this house will be songs of high praise that we will be led to the face of Jesus in a fresh way. And then I also see songs of declaration are going to come out of this house that declare the word of the Lord and the times and seasons that we're in. So I just want to do this. If you are a worship leader or a songwriter in this place, can you just lift your hand? Even if it's not just here, but you are a worship leader. Okay, Father, I just pray right now for every worship leader, musician, and songwriter in this room. Father, I thank you that you've anointed this house for a new sound. And it's what you've called them, new song. But Lord, I ask for a fire in Jesus' name. And I just see the Lord giving you guys a confidence. I see him giving your songwriters, worship leaders, and your band a new confidence to say, we are grabbing a hold of this and we are moving forward in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Okay. So, here we go. I love this. I love highlighting that Jesus stopped with the Samaritan woman because Jesus had to stop in Samaria because he's a covenant-keeping God. Jews did not associate with Samaritans. You guys probably all know this, but let's recap, okay. But Jesus does. Jews did not associate with Samaritans, but Jesus does. This stems from the divide of Israel after Solomon's death. Okay, the northern kingdom of Israel fell to the Assyrians. And then some were led off to Assyria as captives. But some remained in the land and intermarried, half Jewish, half Gentile, which became known as the Samaritans. So when you understand that, it even makes it deeper that Jesus doesn't just stop to sit with a Jewish woman. 
right? Because Jesus is not just prophesying of what he's about to do. He's prophesying of the reconciliation he's going to bring to the heart of man. He's prophesying about what he's coming to do. And it's redeem, heal, save, deliver. So he is intentional about sitting with the Samaritan woman because he is a covenant-keeping God. All right, so the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. The hour here, I have read multiple commentaries. I have studied this scripture as a worship leader. I've wanted to know this. I want to know what you're saying. The hour is this, the cross of Jesus Christ. The hour is coming when the perfect sacrifice, the lamb that is slain, is coming to make way for you to enter into the holy of holies. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship. And Jesus responds to her about the correct location. He is prophesying of the new location of worship being in him through him and you being the dwelling place of God. This is really good news. It's just such good news. The death and resurrection of Jesus put all human relationship with God into a new dimension, making location of worship obsolete. Okay. Whew. Like the buildings, this is good. It's here to serve us. It's here to bring us together. But if we're relying on the building to bring us together to worship, we are missing what Jesus gave his life for. Oh, he gave his life to make the location of worship obsolete. But for you to be the dwelling place of God, that you are the temple of God, that you are his resting place, his dwelling place, it's you now, sister. It's you now, mother. It's you. And what I love about Deborah, right? you got this whole Old Testament story that leads up to this moment when Jesus is here walking with his disciples, sitting with certain people, healing, right? You've got this Old Testament. It's, it's not separated. It's this, hey, here's the first part, telling of the coming king. Get ready. He's coming. He's here. He walks with his disciples. He's crucified in the grave, takes the keys to death, hell, and the grave, comes alive on that third day, walks with his disciples, leads us, leaves us with the great commission and says, it's better if I go. I'm sending my Holy Spirit to be inside of you. But what I love about these Old Testament stories, you know, we were talking about Deborah earlier. You know, the thing about Deborah's village life had ceased. She was a judge in Israel. I mean, talk about like COVID, right? Village life had ceased. It was done. What's going on? Where's, where's a voice? Where's, what are we doing? What's happening? Confusion, calamity, right? You begin to see division like never before. You begin to see things happening like never before in our nation. It is so similar to the hour that Deborah was in in Israel. It said village life had ceased. And then it said till I, Deborah, arose. And this is the hour you're in where God's looking at you and calling you, Deborah, and say until you, Deborah, arose. And then what does it say? She sang a song. 
song, Awake, Awake, O Deborah. And I feel like tonight, through this John 4 passage and understanding different women throughout the Bible, the Lord is saying there's a unified song inside of women right now that is Awake, Awake, sing your song, Rise, O Mother. Because whether you're a mother in the natural or not, you are a mother because God made you to be a life bearer, a life bringer, and a kingdom shaker because that is who your that is what your original design is as a woman it's how God created you breakthrough is not a personality type breakthrough is in prayer breakthrough is a life yielded to God so we've got to just totally wipe off well I'm a quieter personality beautiful I love it be you because breakthrough is not determined on a personality. Deborah rising is not determined on a personality, but a call of God on your life. You have a call of God on your life. He formed you in your mother's womb. He gave you an identity. He gave you a calling. Okay, let's keep going. All right. So the death and res re resurrection of Jesus put all human relationship with God into a new dimension, making location obsolete. The crucifixion and raising of his body will, in fact, lead to the replacing of temple worship by the new spirit and truth worship based upon his sacrifice and his living presence. In 2 Corinthians 6, 16, it says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of God. As God said, I will make a dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Oh, it says you know, in verse 22, salvation is from the Jews. Jesus is affirming the revelation given in the Old Testament while transforming it. Because sometimes we go, how do these two things fit together? Jesus is affirming what's been done while also transforming it. It lays a true foundation of what Jesus is restoring. So true worship is now at hand because Jesus is here. The son of David, it's Messiah and worship is in and through him. He is the truth. He receives and gives the spirit to all who believe him. And only, only through the truth he embodies and the spirit he imparts, can we know and worship him? In Luke 4.4, 4, it says, The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to you whom I will. If you then worship me, and it will be all yours. So Jesus is in this moment where he's being tempted by the devil. And he looks at the enemy and he says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. There is this uh, roar, I believe, in worship rising as well in this hour. Because in this context here, what's happening is Jesus is not defeating the enemy by merely walking away, but pulling out the sword of scripture. And if Jesus defeated the enemy by saying, it is written, then far be it from me to think I can defeat the enemy any other way. And so it is written, it is written that neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship. But God is raising up worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. And this is you. And you're in it. You're in the move of God. You're in the midst of what this is. You can feel it. And sometimes it's like we just need to cry out for that revelation of, oh, Lord, 
Don't let me get comfortable. Don't let me get used to this. Remind me of the living, breathing word that we are living right now. Hang on really quick. i got to flip this page back. My notes are beautifully all over the place. You know what I mean? It's like you finish a page and you're like, I got more. So I flip back and then I start over here. It's a a beautiful mess. Anyway, so I want to talk about three things that can hinder our worship. These are really simple, really practical. One is wrong practices. If you're a note taker, this is number one. It says, we see this with the woman um, until her life encounters Jesus. Failures addressed, healed of shame, she's known. Right, so we see this in Israel in the Old Testament. The assumption of the externals of worship are on a place where God is. So what am I saying here? Wrong practices. We can give in to wrong practices. What does that look like now? I need the right set list. I need the right lights. I need the right things in place for us to have a good worship set. I need to feel the right way. I need them to do the songs I like. I need. This sounds so silly, but it's really things that can get in the way. It's really things that can hinder. And scripture says we enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. With thanksgiving and praise. That's, that's the measure of how we enter in is thanksgiving and praise so we can our our worship can be hindered by just simply wrong practices why and where does that come from it comes from when we are impressed by culture more than scripture in the place of worship so I'm just I'm like going in tonight like you're in my living room I'm like this is like if we were all sitting in my living room right now these are like the things I'm burning for in worship and when I say worship I'm not talking about singers or musicians I'm talking about followers of Jesus I'm talking about worshipers because in Genesis 22 that is where worship is introduced in all of Scripture and it's the it is the story where God asked Abraham to give what is most precious to him his only son and I will never forget. I mean, I was leading worship, so I went, man, I, I, we had taken a, a biblical studies class in Kona, and it said you always pay attention to the first time something is mentioned in Scripture. So I'm like, oh, well, I wonder where the first time worship is mentioned, thinking it's going to be something associated with the throne room, holy, holy, holy. So I'm on the edge of my seat like, ooh, where is the first time worship is mentioned? So I start looking at different commentaries, and I open my Bible, and I, okay, it's Genesis 22. Great. And I'm reading, and I'm like, this is the first time worship is mentioned? Where God asked Abraham to give what was most precious to him, withholding nothing, holding nothing back. And he literally has waited for this promise. And God's like, will you sacrifice your son? I'm sitting here going, I'm lost. How is this the first time worship is mentioned in scripture? And then it says they go up the mountain, Genesis 22, and they, he turns and he says, wait here while I go worship. Worship? You're sacrificing your only son. But here it is. This is the heart of worship. Where worship is introduced in the context of wholehearted obedience, faith, and trust in Jesus. This is it. This is worship. Then my life is laid down. And then where do we see that mirrored? In the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus says, Father, let this cup pass through me. Nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then where do we see it again? Boom. Romans 12. Therefore I appeal to you. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So worship from Genesis to Revelation. Boom. Then we see John in this amazing vision where he's seeing the throne room, right? 
Oh, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. They're singing, worthy are you, the Lord our God, who was and is and is to come. For you were slain, and by your blood, you've bought a people back to God. This is what we're living in. This is it. But the entry to a life of wholehearted worship and devotion is wholehearted faith, obedience, and trust in God. Don't waste your time getting caught up in the wrong practices. Don't waste your time comparing. Don't waste your time going, I just I wish I had what she had. No, gone are those days. We're walking into days of a radical satisfaction in Jesus and radical blessing of our sisters. I mean, oh, we've gone after this in circuit riders withholding. Withholding blessing and encouragement from other women. We just said, absolutely not. Not happening here. We are going to bless each other. We are going to encourage each other. We are going to break what? A cultural standard of comparison and jealousy. Right? Nobody wants that, but the world teaches us that. Scrolling through our phone teaches us that. Teaches us that. But this is where, whoa, until I, Deborah, arose... I know what happened at that interaction with Jesus at the woman at the well. I understand what he did on the cross. I understand that location is obsolete and that I'm the dwelling place of God. Don't get caught up in the wrong practices. Don't get caught up in the distractions. He's here and he's saying, awake, awake, oh Deborah. Awake, awake. I feel the Lord tonight is heart for you. He's saying you don't have to deal with that fear anymore. You don't have to deal with that shame anymore. And some of you are going, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's done. It's over. I'm willing, Lord. And so we're going to pray tonight. But I just want to say I feel the Lord's love so strong for this room. And it might just be for one of you right now. But if you've never encountered the love of Jesus, you need to know that there is absolutely no greater love than this, than one who lays down his life for his friends. Jesus loves you. You were on his heart. You were on Jesus' heart. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just say, keep us from the distractions, wrong practices in Jesus' name. Lord, we just wait on you for just a minute. We honor your presence that's here with us tonight. We thank you for this love. We thank you for what you've done, for what you did, and what you're going to do, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, keep us from the distraction of wrong practices. You said in Scripture, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We say we will be women of burning hearts, of hearts connected to Jesus, carrying Revival, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to keep going, but if you were at my house, this is how we flow. We're like, oh, he wants to do something right now. Let's pray for you. So I'm just envisioning all you guys at my kitchen table. I hope that's okay. Um, so number one is wrong practices. And I can feel in this room, it's like, no, we're done. We just, we don't want wrong practices. The hunger in this room 
we just finished this song in Circuit Rider called um, Tear Down the Idols. And it's not out yet, but the bridge literally goes, tear down the idols. We want revival. Clean hands and pure hearts. We behold you. Come be the center. High priest forever. You tore the veil so we could come through. And I feel that groan in this room tonight. Of tear down the idols. We want revival. So what can hinder worships? Number one, our wrong practices. Number two, we would all know this, but wrong priorities. In essence, this was the error of the Jews and Samaritans who had conflict over where to worship and what should take place. We get concerned with form over content. We get, we get concerned with the, the stuff other than, is my heart burning? Is my heart burning? So wrong priorities. It's just saying, Jesus, you are the center. You are our priority. Turn the page here. There we go. Number three, wrong perception. Wrong perception of who God is and our relationship with him. Bible-centered, Christ-centered. He is the heart of all biblical writings. He is the truth embodied and the one through whom the spirit is given. And only through Jesus can the Father be worshipped and truly known. When our worship is not in and through our relationship with Jesus, it falls under the line where Jesus says, you worship what you do not know. Wrong perception can also be wrong perception of our position in Christ. Oh, we have been brought in by the blood of the Lamb. If the band wants to come up, we're just going to pray a little bit. Is that okay? I love a good prayer meeting. And I love praying for women. And I feel like tonight there is something that God is going to unleash in our hearts. And, you know, what we talked about of where worship is introduced in Scripture in Genesis 22. I do want to tell you, if anyone ever asks you, can you share on the heart of worship? Now you can say yes, I can. Here it is in Genesis 22. It's this place of wholehearted obedience, faith, trust in God. And then you see it all throughout scripture. And my favorite place where this is shown is Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, she's young. She's not married. And now she's pregnant. Can you imagine? Like, I don't know about you, but if I was that young, told I was going to have a baby Knowing I'm not married, my instant reaction would be, what are people going to think about me? I'm going to be rejected. And where will I go? But that wasn't her response. Her response was, I'm a bondservant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. So the invitation tonight is, Jesus, we're running forward. We want to know the God of Abraham. We want to know the God of Deborah. We want to know the God of Mary. We want to know this one who sat at the, with the woman at the well. We want to know what is this love. That our response, our response is not my will but yours be done. I'm a bond servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. If that's you tonight and you feel that stirring, I just want you to stand up tonight. If you're just saying, I want more of Jesus. I want to know you more, Jesus. God, we ask, would you increase our hunger for you? Would you increase our awareness of you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. 
want to pray tonight. If you feel like you've wrestled with fear, or fear of man, or fear of the future, I just want you to open your hands, and I'm just going to pray for you tonight. Father, I ask right now, yeah, all across the room, right now in the name of Jesus, we just say, fear, you have to go. Fear, be broken in Jesus' name. Father, I ask that every woman in this room tonight would step into an encounter with the love of Jesus. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to step out in faith and just say this prayer and repeat after me. Say, Jesus, take my fear. Jesus, fill me with courage. Baptize me with boldness. Fear, go. Jesus, I receive your love, your forgiveness, your mercy in Jesus' name. There was one more I just felt to pray for tonight was if you feel shame, you feel like, I, I can't be honest with people. I feel like I can't go to the Lord because shame makes me feel like I have to hide. And I'm telling you as a sister tonight, sister, you don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to hide. The blood of Jesus has set you free. And he says, you can come as you are. You can come as you are. So if that's you, again, I'm gonna ask you to just respond boldly, put your hands out and just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, take my shame. Take my guilt. I receive right now the love of Jesus. I am washed. I am clean. I am set free by the blood of the Lamb. So shame. Go. tonight is saying, God, we want to know you in a way where we can't help but give everything. We can't help but say, here I am, here I am, here I am. And this whole thing of where worship is introduced in Genesis 22. I remember I had this moment, I was 30 years old and my husband and I had been married two years. He said, I want you to start a family now, the Holy Spirit. We said, okay. He said, but don't get pregnant. We said, what does that mean? That's confusing. Lord. And then we said, do you want us to adopt first? One thing led to another. We didn't feel that was right. The Lord said, I want you to do foster care. And I said, you got the wrong girl, Lord. I travel full time. I can't do that. He said, I want you to do foster care. I said, I'd love to support that some way. But this, what about my calling? What about the worship? everything you and I have done. Jesus, you and I have done this. And he said, Lindy, isn't obedience not the highest form of worship? And I remember right there, the idol of ministry crashed. It was like I could hear the crashing of an idol. And I feel like tonight, where are idols we don't even know we've built up that get in the way of our wholehearted obedience to Jesus? Maybe God's whispered, I want you to gather these women I want you to teach them the Bible. Oh, Lord, I don't have time. It's too much. I can't do it. 
the crashing idols of our own comforts fall tonight. Let the crashing idols fall tonight. I just feel like I'll never forget that moment. Because in that moment, I just began to weep in my living room. And I said, Lord, I had no idea I had an idol of ministry in my life. Lord, I remember I became desperate because I realized I put myself up on a pedestal that God belonged on. We can experience different successes in our Christian walk with, in our walk with Jesus, in our Christian walk. We experience breakthroughs. We experience good things, great things. But nothing can come above the priority of hearing God's voice and obeying Him. Nothing can come above, not my will, but yours be done. I'm in love. Nothing can come above. I'm a bond servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And then I remember thinking, God, I give it to you. Because if you know anything about foster care, you have to get court approval to travel. You're giving everything up. And I said, here it is. It's all yours. If Abraham can say yes to give what was most precious, I can give you this. This is easy. Take it. It's yours. And I realized all I was doing was missing out on intimacy with Christ that I was made for. All I was doing was missing out on the beauty of surrender that truly brings awakening in our lives. And then the Lord said, I'm not done, Lindy. I'm pulling on your heart because I want the idol of your time where you think your time is all yours. Because I remember I'd really compartmentalize things and was really trying to hold on to different ways God had done things. And if I can just hold on to the music a little bit, here, there, if I can just hold on to this. Oh, I don't want to let go of that platform, Lord. Oh, oh, and I'm looking around going, you're not going to take all of it, right? And I remember one day I felt so sick and thinking, something wrong with me. And I had this one-month-old baby that was detoxing drugs. I'm like, what is going on? But you have my yes. You have my obedience. And I remember I, I was like, my husband was out of town. I thought, I'm going to take a pregnancy test. There's no way I'm pregnant. Turns out I was pregnant. So I had a one-month-old, and I was pregnant. And I remember just standing there going, I will hold nothing from you. You can have it all. And that's tonight, is saying, what are things we've held on to? What are even maybe things we've never confessed to anyone that we know keep us in, locked away, deep inside, the things only you know? And tonight, God's saying, you can come right as you are. You can come just as you are. There's no performance needed. There's no pressure here. Jesus is saying, come as you are. Because when a woman is surrendered and her life is laid down, it becomes the most radical form of evangelism the world will ever see. Because a lovesick heart, a lovesick heart, a heart in love with Jesus that says, not my will, but yours be done, will speak louder than a thousand words. It speaks louder than 10,000 Bible studies. A life that says, I'm yours, Jesus. Here I am, use me. So if that's you tonight and you're going, I want to surrender all of me, everything, Jesus, here I am. Just begin to lift your hands and then begin just to lift your voice to Jesus. Just let worship begin to fill this room tonight. 
We say yes to you, Jesus. We say no matter the cost, you're worth it. You're worth it, God. Tear down the idols of ministry. The idols of things we put before you, Jesus. God, we say let the church shine. Let the local church shine like never before, Jesus. With lovesick hearts surrendered to Jesus. Father, we pray in this place that you would meet us tonight. That you would take us into a new season. A new season, God, of freedom and surrender. In Jesus' name. Yes, yes, sing it out to him. You won't relent. Breakthrough looks. 
looks like me getting on a platform. If God wants you on a platform, you're gonna get there and he's gonna do it in perfect timing. But don't be deceived that the platform holds the greatest influence. The greatest influence is in the home around your table. And I remember at the beginning of the year, my husband and I began to pray, Father, would you keep us? We're desperate. Keep us, because we're passionate. We want to go. Teach us about the table. The next day, someone gifts us a beautiful table we could never afford if we even dreamt of it. And it was a sign the Lord said, get around the table. Get around the table. So I also want to say, women, he's prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. The table of the Lord. It's where he sits with his disciples. He says, eat that my body, drink my blood. He's preparing them for what's coming. He's saying, dine with me. Ask me for the daily bread. Don't live off of yesterday's bread. Ask every day, give us this day our daily bread. That's gonna happen in your homes, around your tables. So I wanna charge you in the home that you would set a table because people, I'm telling you, the second my husband and I started this, the amount of young people around our table, it meant way more to them than them hearing me preach on a Monday night, sitting around the table, talking about Jesus, talking about the ways of God, talking about scripture. And so Lord, I ask tonight that you would teach us how to set a table. I feel like the enemy tries to go, oh, no, that's an old school woman thing. No, 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 it's not. It's the power of our homes. It's where we are teaching our kids scripture. It's where we are talking with our friends about who Jesus is and putting courage in one another. We honor your presence that's in this place tonight, Jesus. And we're asking boldly, God, we're asking for revival. Father, we honor the pastors. We honor Pastor Sarah. Father, we honor the, the people of this church that are saying, come Lord Jesus, you're hearing their cry. Lord, I'm asking, would you begin to pour out in this place? Begin to pour out in this place. On Sundays that people walk in, they go, what is this? What is this? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Father, we ask that you, you would do what only you can do. joy to lose our lives and find it in Jesus Christ. It's our joy. It's our joy, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you're setting us free of fear. You're ripping off the shame. The woman at the well, gripped with shame, it made her lie to Jesus. I don't have any husbands. When we feel shame, we feel we can't be honest with others about where we're at. But Jesus, you came in with your rich mercy.
you said you were right in saying you don't have any, for you have five. Father, we thank you that you're wiping away our shame to bring us into your courts, that we would know this place, the highest place of worship, that is our obedience to Jesus. Seal this in our hearts tonight. Seal this in our hearts tonight. Father, I ask for every woman in here that they would feel afresh, standing firm upon the word as they walk out this place. That they would go, I feel settled and I feel at peace like I never have before in Jesus' name.
side of me Come be the flame upon my heart Come be the fire inside of me Until you
or lingering. There's no sense of like, just get on with, like I just, I love your spirit tonight. I sense the hunger. It's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. My, my prayer was like, I want this to be a special night for you, God. Like I want this night to, to bless your heart, God. And I know we've touched his heart tonight with our love, with our 